This is First Fairgate United Methodist Church's podcast. Thanks for joining us as we continue with our series, Five Cups of Coffee. Today's message is about the need to be constantly growing. What would it look like for you to connect with God each day? What do you want from God in your spiritual life? And now, here's Martha with our message. Today's scripture reading is taken from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. The scripture has been titled, The New Life in Christ. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the word of God for the people of God. We are in our fourth Sunday of a sermon series entitled Five Cups of Coffee. That is, we wish we had our coffee station, but we don't have our coffee station yet because of COVID. But ideally, what would happen is these five cups of coffee, around these five cups of coffee, happens a conversation. Five conversations about discovering, or using a church word, discerning our calling as followers of Jesus. Now, you might assume that a sermon series that has a number in it, five, means there's probably five sermons. I'm really original in how I try to title things around here. So, this is number four. What that means is this is the fourth time you'll hear me make the statement I'm about to say, and you'll hear it again next week. A calling is not something that's just reserved for those who we call the professionals, such as myself, the pastors, or those who are on paid staff at a church, a calling is something every follower of Jesus has. It's not necessarily one big thing that we might miss our whole God-given purpose in life, but it's who we're called to be. We began this series four weeks ago with the idea of listening to God or listening for God. We used the example of Moses and the burning bush of how Moses heard God speak to him. And we talked about, was it an audible voice? Was it something that Moses just sensed? And the reality is, most of us are not going to hear God speak to us in an audible voice. But we will more or less probably sense God speaking in what I call nudges. Might be something that happens in a conversation with people over a series of a, a period of time. Might be a series of events. Might be circumstances. That over time, if we're paying attention, we might sense God speaking to us or leading us. The key in that one was to pay attention and be aware. And then the next week, we move to a more practical topic topic of this idea of spiritual gifts. These spiritual gifts might be things that we think of in terms of talents. Not necessarily for showy purposes, but something that we are naturally good at. We sent you home with homework on that week to take an assessment of spiritual gifts. And I've heard from several of you that, thankfully, because I confess I don't have this one, several of you have a gift of hospitality. That is a wonderful gift. Several of you have gifts of administration and, and organization. You have gifts of discernment, which is a very important gift in the church. 
serving others, and on and on the list goes. But those gifts are things that we can actually do. They're, they're tangible representations of things we can put into practice out in the world to show God's love. We followed up last week talking about passions. Passions are those things that we get excited about, or they're also the things that disturb us. They're the things in the world that we might want to make an impact on, make a difference. I've heard from several, several of you this week that you have passions for senior adults, you have passions for children, children with autism, foster children. I've heard that some of you have a passion for our veterans and serving our homeless, and on and on the passions go. But the idea behind the passions is that the things that excite us or disturb us, when coupled with our gifts and sensing God's leading, we put all of that together and we find a place that we can serve in the church, yes, but also out in the world. Those three topics were, or those three sermons were very individualistic, helping each of us see that we all have a role to play in carrying on the good news of Jesus. We all have a calling to serve others. In the last two weeks, specifically, we're very outward focused very outwardly focused on serving others, and, and rightly so, because we also talked about this last week, that there's a risk that we can make our relationship with Jesus all about, and I use the um, country song, Me and God. We make it all about just my relationship with God, and that is a very important piece, yes, but it's only half of the equation. Hence, we focused on outward serving. But to grow into what the Bible calls the full maturity or the full stature of Jesus, we have to be constantly growing internally as well. If all we're focused on is serving others, then there's a risk of divorcing our calling from the caller, meaning God. So these last two weeks of this sermon series, we're going to shift our focus a little bit and focus on our connectedness to God. I, I told you last week that this was sort of like connecting the dots some of those connect-the-dots um, uh, puzzles, I guess you call those, that we get as a child, or the paint-by-numbers that you paint all the numbers a certain color, and then eventually a picture begins to emerge, an image. Well, an image emerged to me this week as I was thinking about it, and it's the symbol of infinity. I think we actually have it. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the infinity symbol means or looks like, it's basically a sideways eight. It's actually a mathematical symbol that symbolizes limitless numbers. The reason that that symbol is appropriate for this particular series is because these practices, our, our gifts, our passions, listening to and for God, and certain spiritual practices all flow together to constantly increase or grow our relationship with God. To use the words of Buzz Lightyear, because I know you know them, what is it? To infinity and beyond. Okay, let's just get it out of our system. There we go. But in order for all of this to feed each other, to feed and grow, we have to stay connected to God. What are some of the ways we do that? Go ahead. This is, this is called feedback. Worship. There you go. You guys got that one. Didn't you? You, you, you can check that box. What else? Prayer. Service. There we go. Okay. There are all sorts of tools or spiritual practices, we might say, at our disposal. But if we don't use them, they are useless. 
I brought with me today something very important to me. Anybody know what this is? I also call this my life. This thing goes everywhere I go. It works with me in my office at home. Then it goes into a bag that is over there, actually. And then it comes in and it works with me here at this office. It works with me in the mountains when I need to go somewhere and be alone and work. It works with me on my back patio. It goes everywhere I go. But it is useless without this. You know what this is? Do you know how I know that that is useless without this? Because I've tried. The staff can tell you that any given day I will show up on a Monday probably and walk into my office, say good morning to everybody, sit down, start working. All of a sudden they will hear, ugh, because I've left the power cord at home. Now it's a new computer, so it will last, well, it's two years old. It will, it will last quite a while, but not if I've spent Sunday afternoon on the patio working without the computer plugged in. It will die. Now, I happen to know that all of you have power cords in your house, too. I brought most of mine with me. This is the power cord for the phone in the bedroom. This is the power cord for the phone in the living room. This is the power cord for the dog's collar. I don't even have a dog anymore. This is the power cord for the Bluetooth speaker. I don't know what that one is. That's Jordan's, I think. But we have these power cords everywhere, right? And they belong to a device, or a device belongs to them. But if we don't plug it up, they're useless. Useless. All of those spiritual practices or, or disciplines, they're called, or tools to help us stay connected to God, they're useless if we don't practice them. In the scripture from Romans that we read just a few moments ago, the author of Romans is, is Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he warned the people of a congregation in Rome not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of their minds, so that they would come to know and understand the will and the way of God. To be transformed means to be changed, right? And to be changed in such a way to mimic or know God's heart requires staying close to the power source of God. And that takes effort. Conforming takes very little effort. Conforming to the world. Conformity itself means yielding to influences, be it peer pressure, be it social influences, whatever it may be. Conforming just means yielding to those influences. And we have a natural desire as humans to belong, to be accepted, to be liked. And if we're not careful, that desire leads to us blending with the ways of the world. It takes very little effort, especially these days, to get caught up into the fray of all the division and the anger and the frustration and the bitterness. I know it's just as tough for you as it is me because my social media feed is full of angry people. And they're my friends, crying out loud. It's full of those comments. And so the temptation for us when we see things is to get right back in the fray and prove our point. It takes very little effort to rise above that. It takes very little effort to give in to our desires for cars and trips and fancy things. So much that we forsake our calling to be stewards of the resources God gives us. It takes very little effort to conform to the pursuit of power and accolades and peer pressure. Conformity means taking on a majority position. And it's driven by our feelings, our desires to belong. However, 
to transform takes intentionality and commitment. It requires a choice, a willingness to undergo a change of heart and mind, and it takes time, it takes work, it takes repetition, and there we use the Apostle Paul's word, it takes sacrifice. Sacrifice, by definition, means it costs something, right? The themes of sacrifice and transformation are prevalent throughout the Bible, not just in the teachings of Jesus, but throughout the entire Bible. We even see Jesus, Jesus says several times in his own teachings, if you want to be first, you must become last. You must become a servant. You must take up your cross. Sacrifice is throughout the Bible. In this letter to the Romans, Paul is writing to a church and and actually contains some of his absolute most mature thoughts. He goes through up to the point where we read in, in, in chapter 12. He begins giving the full redemptive history, and true to form, he uses a lot of words to do it. But in the beginning of Romans, he's basically saying there's a problem. It's called sin and brokenness and all of those words that we use. But God made a solution, and his name is Jesus, a way to heal us from the brokenness and the sinfulness and to bring us into relationship with God for 12 chapters, or 11 actually. Paul goes through and explains all of that. But here in the 12th chapter, he begins to pivot a little bit and says, now here's what this means for your life here and now. Not so much eternity in heaven. Yes, that's a piece of it. But here's what it means for your life here and now. He's trying to explain to them how they can experience new life called resurrection. But to experience resurrection, we have to have a death. We like resurrection. The talk of resurrection is very comforting, especially when we've lost a loved one. We don't like death. But you can't have new life without the old life going away. In recent history, and by recent history I mean decades to a century or so, the church has focused on the resurrection, the good news of Jesus Christ, and rightly so, because it is good news. We have hope we, have, we can have joy in the abundant life that Jesus said he came to bring, and we focus on that good news, but almost to the detriment of omitting the biblical teaching that in order to experience new life, we ourselves have to be willing to die. Hence the reason Paul uses the word sacrifice. It cost something. Now, the people to whom Paul wrote would have understand this, this word sacrifice probably more than we would because of the centuries of, of the ancient world, ancient practice of animal sacrifice. Now, we read those stories about the animal sacrifice, and we just scratch our head and think, what does that have to do with anything? Animals, generally speaking, in the ancient world were currency. They were the way people knew they were going to live the next day because if you had animals, that meant you had food. To take an animal... Burn it up was an act of worship, a symbolic way of saying, all that I have, God, is yours, and I give it all to you. That's what Paul means by a living sacrifice. If we want to experience the abundant life and joy and hope, the peace, the forgiveness that Jesus said he came to bring, we have to be willing to sacrifice and change ourselves. It could be argued that the reason that most who claim to be Christians don't experience that abundant life 
It's because we're not willing to go that far. This word for transformation, to be transformed rather than conformed, is actually our word metamorphosis. You recognize it? We all know the process of metamorphosis. In fact, we're fascinated by it, that some fuzzy little worm can become this beautiful butterfly. It's really a fascinating process. I have confessed to you before that I am not much of a gardener at all. It's right up there with hospitality and my gifts. I just don't have it. So I don't garden. But I learned this week that gardeners, generally speaking, don't like caterpillars, which was news to me. So I had to ask our resident expert gardener, Susan Surratt, who's our financial administrator. Susan's happy place is her garden. And so I asked her, what's this about caterpillars? So I learned this week from our resident guru that gardeners don't like caterpillars, or some plants that attract caterpillars. For example, you don't want cabbage moths which lay eggs that become caterpillars and destroy certain crops. But you do want the butterflies that pollinate. The trick, she told me, is that you have to plant or manage your garden in such a way that the plants that attract damaging caterpillars are away from the plants that they can destroy. What she said is, you can't have the good without the bad. But without the good, the bad will take over. That's how easy it is to conform. Without the good, the bad will take over. Here's the thing. We like butterflies. They're beautiful. We want butterflies. We want their beauty. We want their role in pollination. But we don't like worms. But we can't have butterflies without the worms. And the worms can't experience that beautiful transformation without the painful process of metamorphosis. We want the abundant life that Jesus says he came to bring, but we don't want to engage fully in that sacrifice, that process of transformation. We want the peace that passes all understanding, but we want it by not having to change ourselves. We want the freedom from the pressures of life and just trying to survive, but we think that just working a little harder is what it's going to take. This is where that infinity symbol and the power cords come into play. Because the more we stay connected to Jesus through these practices, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the more we're serving out of our gifts, the deeper we'll become aware of our passions, the stronger and closer our relationship with, with Jesus will grow. It all feeds into each other. But the trick is we have to stay connected. Those tools are power cords power cord of prayer and of listening to God. Then there's the power cord of reading or even listening, because we can listen to it in our car these days, right? The Bible, the cord of staying connected in small groups and accountability, the power cord of serving, the power cord of giving and being generous with our time and our money, and on and on those tools go. But we have to plug into them to experience the life Jesus came to bring. We have to unplug from the world and plug in to the power of the Holy Spirit. Next week, you will have an opportunity to take some next steps. I told you last week that all of this sort of connects together and begins to, to, to emerge a picture. Next week, you actually have an opportunity to reflect and respond on some next steps that you would like to take. 
But what I invite you to consider this week is what would it look like for you to connect with God daily? What would it look like daily and intentionally? What, what power cords do you need to exercise? What sacrifice is required? Time? I don't know about you, but that is the most valuable commodity I have. Time? Personal preferences? Fears? What is it that you need to sacrifice? Jesus once encountered a man who was, who was blind. There's a story of Jesus encountering this blind man. And the man is, is, is begging for, for, for money at that, at that point. And Jesus can tell the man is blind. It's pretty obvious. But Jesus goes to the man and he says, what do you want? I mean, I would be like, really, Jesus, can you not see I'm blind? Don't you know what I want? What do you want? And the man says, I want to see. Jesus healed him. So my question to you, the question to us today, is what do you want out of your relationship with Jesus? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I failed to mention this at the beginning of the service. I did mention Holy Communion. But we are still having to celebrate communion through our packets. So if you did not get your prepackaged elements, um, we have the good Kelly Clancy in the back who is more than happy to bring you some if you will just raise your hand. I don't know about you, but I long for the day when we could do this the way we're used to. But as we prepare for to receive communion, as a United Methodist Church, we practice open communion, an open table. What that means is everyone is invited to this table because this is not First Arrogate's table. This is not the United Methodist table. This is Christ's table. Jesus gave his life for everyone, and therefore, all are welcome. But as we prepare to receive this, it's appropriate for us to enter into a prayer of confession. So I invite you to join me. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled. <laughs> we have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray for joyful obedience. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Will you pray with me? Holy God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and of the fruit of the vine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ and one with each other until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. I invite you to take out your...
chalice, I think is what this is called. And on the bottom, you will find a bread wafer. On the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he met with his disciples, and he took the bread and he broke it. He gave it to each of his disciples, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this as often as you do in remembrance of me. You're invited to receive your wafer. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, and gave it to each of his disciples, and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood, my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And receive your juice. We do this in remembrance of Jesus' mighty acts, and we offer ourselves as praise and thanksgiving, a holy and living sacrifice. We give thanks for the mystery of this holy meal. As we continue in worship, we continue in worship, continue worshiping by giving. We do that in many ways. We have several folks who actually did quite a, well, we have a lot of folks around here who serve all the time. But yesterday there were several, a few families who went and packed a meal, which is a lot of fun. And, and through your generosity, we as a church were able to, I hope I had this number right, 20 flood buckets. We're able to give 20 flood buckets um, to UMCOR. And also today is a very special day. Mm-hmm. Who knows the Hiblinks? All three Hiblinks turn 18 today. Ashley, Heather, and Dustin. And Dustin is up here serving on his 18th birthday. But I invite you to respond. Uh, Well, we're not standing, are we? We're seating. We're staying seated. Don't don't, don't stand. Stay seated. But you're invited to respond by the giving of God's tithes and your offerings. You may text if you would like, those of you in the building. There is also a box uh, in the back that you could drop uh, an offering in as you leave. But uh, as the choir leads us, you're invited to respond, reflecting, giving, and worshiping. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us again next week as we continue our worship series, Five Cups of Coffee. See you then.